Amen. Okay. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Praise God. With the Lord being my helper today, I'm going to preach to you a little bit, teach to you a little bit on purpose. Purpose. Philippians 1 chapter 1 verse 6 says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. He that hath begun. He. Who is he? He is God. He that hath begun. God began, began the work in you. Well, when did he begin it? He began it before time, that before you ever experienced time. Amen? God ordained you to be here. He ordained me to be here. God ordained our existence. Can you say amen to that? Jeremiah chapter 1 5 says this to Jeremiah. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He tells the prophet before that he was even in his mother's womb. He had an existence. God knew him. Before, he says, you were born, I set you apart. I, the two things that happened. I, I knew you. I set you apart. Then he says, I appointed you or ordained you a prophet to the nations. This is powerful. God ordained the prophet Jeremiah's existence before he was in his mother's womb. And he had already set him apart for a purpose. And then he appointed him a prophet to the nations. Three things. So I believe everything created serves a purpose. God starts with a purpose and creates a person. God starts with a purpose and creates a person. Can y'all repeat that with me? God starts with a purpose and creates a person. Can you repeat it again? God starts with a purpose and creates a person. You got to grab a hold of that because out of the millions that could have been born, God chose you to have life. Can you think about it? Because his will and purpose. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 111 says this. In him, in God, we are also chosen. Can you say chosen? Having been predestined according to the plan of him. Get that. The plan of him. God had a plan when he brought you into existence. He had a purpose for your existence. Who works out everything. All things have a reason. In conformity with what? The purpose of his will. The scripture says all things work together for the good of those, right? For the good of those that love God and are called to his what? Purpose. Did you know when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, that didn't throw God's plan off one bit? That God had a purpose and that purpose was going to continue even if Adam and Eve, the first Adam, messed up and allowed sin, sickness, and, and, and sorrow to enter into the world? God had a promise that was going to come, another Adam, hallelujah, another son that was going to be born, begotten of him, that was going to take up, hallelujah, the task that Adam was supposed to fulfill. So God's purpose was just sidetracked, but it wasn't thwarted. So you may think in your own life, you know what, I'm so-and-so years old, I don't know, maybe I've missed my destiny, maybe I've missed my opportunity, but let me tell you something. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Whether or not you are fulfilling your destiny, it's still ahead of you. And you can think, well, I'm just this, I'm just that. Don't define yourself by your past, somebody. You look at your past and you think that's your future. It's not. That's just the training and the preparation that God had to put you through in order to get you in your character where it needs to be. 
You say, well, I didn't like that. Well, you know what? The reason why you didn't like it, because it had to shape your personality and conform you to the vessel that God wanted you to be. And sometimes, hallelujah, that's painful. Anybody ever been through any pain in your life? So you may be going through something right now wondering what in the world is going on. God's making you, shaping you, and, and conforming you through that trial, that tribulation, that test you're in right now. That frustration you're in right now. So that you'll yield to his will in obedience. You stubborn thing. How long is it going to take? How do you like what you're living right now? How many want 10 more years of the life you just had? How many want? Raise your hand real high. 10 more years. I know you don't. I know you want a better life than you. And there's something inside of you that's telling you there's better than what you've experienced. Everybody said? So we've got to understand that God tries. He plans everything according to his purpose. So we were, we were born and we were in this world. We're drawing life right now because God ordained it. And God started with a purpose. And that's why you and I are here. Our purpose has been predetermined. Now, I'm not talking about divine election. I'm talking about that God has a reason for your, your being. Listen to what it says in Psalms 139. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right. Well, listen to me. God knew exactly how to put you together. You may think you are a mess, but God has a perfect fit for your design. God knows exactly what you can do to produce the fruit that will bring glory to his name. Don't look at yourself through your eyes. Did you know that you'll never be worthy in your own eyes? Because you'll look at yourself, you'll think about all the past, you'll think about all the mess that's there, all the problems that you're going through, and you will never be worthy in your own eyes. So you've got to see your eye. You can see, you got to see yourself the way the Lord sees you through His Word. First of all, Amen. You're forgiven. Praise God. Those past mistakes are under the blood. I said they're under the blood, and you are not guilty. Hallelujah. So get that "Oh, woe is me" stuff off of you. Anybody here made any mistakes in your life? Sometimes do you, I don't know. I do. Sometimes you think about those mistakes and go, "Oh God, doesn't it make you kind of cringe?" You ever think about stupid things you've done and you go, oh, man, I wish I could take that back. Well, you know what? When we stand before God, those things are going to be erased. Hallelujah. They will not be there. The film will be running. This is your life. And all of a sudden, you come to that one part. You go, oh, no, don't show that. Well, it'll be covered by the blood. Hallelujah. Not guilty, praise God. But now God, the Bible says, has set the members of the body, everyone in the body, as it hath what? Pleased him. So God knows exactly how you fit and where you fit to where you'll bring the most glory to God the Father. We were created for a reason. Take your Bible and look at uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Flip over there. Go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Watch this. You know this scripture. But I want you to see something here. Genesis chapter 1 beginning verse 6, 26. He says, And God said, Let us... Make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Now there are three things here that reflect the meaning 
or the existence or the reason for the existence of man. Three things right there in those three verses. Number one, to reflect God's image, who we are. Who we are. What's our goal? What are we pressing toward? When Paul said in Philippians, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, what was he talking about as far as the mark? The mark, the mark is Christ's likeness, amen? You and I should be becoming more conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. Was Jesus all that was pleasing to the Father? Absolutely was. Wasn't he the chief cornerstone where all the other living stones, the body of Christ, are lined up? So if you want to know that you're progressing in maturity and spiritual growth, are you more like Jesus than you were last year? Amen? We are to reflect, represent, represent his image. Can people see Jesus in you? That's what we're to do, to reflect his image. Amen? That's who we are. Then it says to have dominion, to have dominion over the earth. That's how we live. We don't live like the world lives. We live in the authority of the kingdom of God. Did you know you have the name of the king of kings and the lord of lords at your disposal? Did you know that demons tremble at the name of Jesus and that he has given you and I the power to use that name and proclaim that name and declare that name? Amen? We have dominion. Did you know you have the word of God and God's word never returns void and you can speak the word of God in faith and change the atmosphere? Do you know that's your dominion? Do you know you also have the power of the Holy Spirit residing and living on the inside of you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. The same power that created the heavens and the earth lives inside of you. We have dominion. But we don't see it because the enemy blinds us to it. We're thinking that we're fighting the enemy in our own strength. No, 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 no. You will always lose. One, to reflect his image, who we are. And two, to have dominion over creation, how we live. Three, to be fruitful and multiply. What we do. What we do. What we do. We're fruitful. Are you fruitful? Well, how do, how do I know if I'm fruitful or not? We're going to get into that. How we live. What we do. We are fruitful. Okay, let me give you a little clue about helping you define your, division, your, your, your design or your, your purpose. Isaiah 64, 8 says this. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay. Thou art the potter. Potter, clay. Get the picture. Potter, clay. Listen. We and we all, not some, not a few, we all are the work of thy hand. And if you've ever seen a potter, there's different types of pottery. If you go to these pottery stores, there's bowls, there's vases, there's, there's big pitchers, all kind of different ones, right? So the analogy is right here is that there's a potter making vessels. What kind of vessel are you? How many know that if you went to a pottery store and every one of the pots or pots or bowls or cups or saucers, you'd go, what's in there? Just saucers? Well, I, I, I like saucers, but I need a cup. Or I need a bowl. Well, I can't get, we, we just sell saucers here. Can you imagine if God created every single one of us the same? How boring this world would be? God could not accomplish his purpose that way, right? Because all of us would be motivated in a certain particular way, wouldn't we? we don't, let's say we were all evangelists. Well, that'd be a great thing. But you know what? All we'd be doing is evangelizing. Nobody would be discipling. See? So God created us the way he wanted to create us. So what kind of vessel are you? Watch this, 1 Corinthians 12, 17. For if the whole body were an eye, then the body would not be able to hear. 
If the whole body were an ear, then the body would not be able to smell anything. Now get this. This is a clue. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you find your purpose here this morning. If you'll listen, you'll walk away with something here today. Design determines function. Design determines function. Function determines ministry. Ministry determines purpose. Now, what does that mean? Design determines function. Well, just let me give you an analogy here. Let's look at a bird. The bird is designed to do what? Fly. So one of the functions of that bird is to fly. You were designed to do something. If you discover what you are able to function in, that's going to determine what your ministry or service to the Lord is. And if you determine what your ministry or service to the Lord is, and you perfect that, you mature that, you bring that to the place that it's bearing fruit, it will produce a purpose in your life. Amen? But if the bird was created and didn't fly, it would not have fulfilled its design, function, and purpose. Many of us have been created, but we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what our design is. And you know what the problem is, I believe? We look at all the other designs, and we like that design better than the one we like. Because you know what? You're never worthy in your own eyes. So we see T.D. Jakes or Kenneth Copeland or Kenneth Hagen or whoever, and we say, wow, what a marvelous ministry. I would sure like to have a ministry like that. Well, once you know what you're saying there, you said, I know God made me a bow, but I really want to be a pitcher. Well, you are, you are in a sense arguing with the potter who knows, knows everything, who knows you inside and out because he put you together, saying, God, you really didn't know what I need to be. And I need to be this. I know you designed me to do this, but I really... So what happens is we, we get impressed with someone else's design. We start to function in that design, which is not our design. It's like a turkey trying to fly. And we get off the ground a little bit. Well, we never, ever reach our potential. You know why? Because you're not functioning in the function and design that God created you. Hear me now. You will get more satisfaction, bear more fruit for God's glory, and get a greater reward if you'll just understand what it is God made you to do. Quit trying to imitate and start emanating. We imitate, and if we'll just shut off all that mess and listen to the Holy Spirit... And just get ourselves grounded in the word. We'll begin to start functioning in our design. We'll begin to start finding our ministry. And we'll begin to fulfill our purpose. Can you say amen? Some people can hear. Some people can speak. Some people can serve. And let me say this to you. You may start out serving, although you may feel a call to preach. Do you know where I started in the ministry? Brand new BA degree. Cost me a lot of money. B.A. degree from Southeastern University of Assemblies of God. I was ready to preach, money. I was ready to go ahead and take Billy Graham's place. <clears throat> we moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. I was going to a church there. They said, oh, you're a graduate of Southeast? And I said, sure. He said, would you be interested in working with our youth? I said, sure. Wonderful. They said, well, you know, we can't pay you as a youth pastor, but we do need a janitor. Would you mind being the janitor, too? I said, Hallelujah. So I started in the ministry as a janitor, not as a minister of the gospel. But you know what God was looking at there? He was looking at my servant's heart. He was looking at whether or not I had pride and arrogance and said, well, are, you are you crazy? I've got a BA degree from Southeastern. I have studied for four years. I can preach the bird out of the trees. What are you talking about, me mopping floors? Are you nuts? If I'd have had that attitude, I'd have probably still been mopping floors. 
God was checking. You know, God is checking your heart right now. He's checking your arrogance. He's checking your pride. He's checking to see if you've got a servant's heart. Because all ministry needs to come out of service. Amen? We don't do this because this is something we want to do. We do this because God created us to function this way. But if you rebel against that, you're going to live a fruitless life. You're going to live a life without purpose. You're going to die with your purpose still inside of you. And I hate that for you. And I pray that today I'll call you out. Amen. What can you do? What is your purpose and calling? So you may not think, you may have an idea of what it is, and you're not there yet, but understand you are in the process of getting there. Amen? So you may see yourself as this great evangelist or prophet or whatever, but you are where you are right now. But your spirit is saying there's a greater destiny for you that lies ahead. But instead of jumping all the steps to get there, you have to go through them one by one. The Bible says the steps of a good person are ordered of the Lord. What step are you on? You may be on the step of uh, refinement of pride and arrogance. And God's got you going through humiliating things. What if I was mopping the floors and somebody from Southeastern saw me? Ah, you got graduated, huh? What kind of job did you get? I'm a janitor. That would have been a test for me, wouldn't it? You know what? I looked at those floors, not at the church's floors. Those were God's floors. Hallelujah. Those were my father's floors, praise God. And I was mopping them as unto the Lord Jesus. God was checking your heart. So what step are you on? You may see your destiny. You may see the fulfillment of it. But you're not there yet. But where are you? And if you'll cooperate with the Holy Spirit, if you'll yield to what he's trying to teach you right now, you can move to the next step. Sad thing is, steps are temporary. They're not supposed to be something you stay on for the rest of your life. But because of your hard-hearted stubbornness, your pride and arrogance, your selfish ambition, can I preach it right today? As a result of that, that's where you are, baby. I'm telling you because I've been through that kind of stuff. So if you'll just go ahead and yield to the potter, he'll fashion you a vessel of honor and use you for his glory. Hallelujah. Let's talk about discovering your design. Discovering your design. Jesus said, every good tree... Bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Then he said this. This is a real principle here. Every tree is known by his own fruit. Get that doubt. Every tree is known by its own fruit. So we've got to discover, okay, hmm. Every tree is known by its fruit. So I've got to learn and understand what fruit do I produce. We were created with the ability... To produce a certain kind of fruit. Now when I talk about fruit, that's the outward manifestation of an inward reality. In other words, let's say, uh, let's just use the example of a prophet. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, set apart to be a prophet from his mother's womb. You know what the indicator of that was? He said, I heard the Lord. Or the Lord came to me saying, I don't know exactly how it's verse there in, in verse 5. But under other, other words, he had the ability as a young youth to hear God. Clue. Clue phone. Hello, you have the ability to hear. And then he goes to God and goes, I, I'm, just, I'm just a kid. I can't do this. Well, he already proved that he could do it. He could hear God because God called him and told him, before you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So he understood exactly what God was trying to tell him. So he was well qualified, hallelujah, to be a prophet. So he brought forth the fruit of that gift of prophecy or that ministry of prophecy. What are you bringing forth? What kind of fruit do you have? Now watch this. Go to Genesis Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1. 
and verse 11. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Watch this. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit. Listen, after his kind. Did you get that? He wanted the trees to bring forth the fruit after his kind. Listen, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So we need to understand that every tree bringeth forth fruit. Jesus uses the analogy in the New Testament that we are trees, and we bring forth fruit. But he says this. He says, after its kind. If you're trying to produce something that you're not able to produce, you're like an apple tree trying to produce peaches. It's going to be a strain for you to do that. And you know what? You will never, ever, 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 ever produce a peach because you are an apple tree, dum-dum. Apple tree. Amen? I see it all the time. But then he says something else pretty profound. He says, the seed is in itself. In other words, do you know you've got the potential right now inside of you? But it's seed potential. I said it's seed potential. Can you eat a seed of an apple tree? You probably could, but it's not very nutritious. But it has great potential. I remember one time, I was in a revival meeting, and this young man came up. He was probably about, oh, 20, 21 years old. And I knew a little bit about his history. He had been in trouble with the law and kind of a rebellious young man. And he came up for ministry, and uh, the Lord released a word to him. And that word was, the Lord would say to you that you are an apple core. He said, apple core. And I thought to myself, apple core, that's kind of strange. He says, the Lord would say to you, you are as an apple core. For if you are, to, if, you, if, you, if people look at you on the outside, they see something that's worthless and should be discarded. If you saw an apple core, you'd say, that's trash, isn't it? Throw that, throw that in the trash, throw that out the car. Apple core. But the Lord said the most vital part of the apple is in the apple core, which is the seed. The Lord was speaking to that young man's potential that he did not see. All he saw was somebody that had been in trouble, somebody that broke the law, somebody that everybody thought was a loser. And he allowed that to define him and didn't understand that the seed was within him, the seed of greatness, the seed of potential. Did you know that the seed of greatness is in every one of us in here? But what are you going to do with it? What's God going to have to do to your life, bring you through in order for you to get it out? What's going to have to happen for you to give God your best? Just because God gives you the potential doesn't mean you reach the potential. Listen, inactivity is dormant potential. Inactivity is dormant potential. So you say, yeah, 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 I'm going to be a great preacher one day. I'm going to be a great businessman. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Are you really? You have the potential because the seed's in you to produce that kind of fruit. But if you do not pursue that, you will never do it. The seed has to go through certain conditions in order for it to actually grow into a tree. You know what an acorn is? An acorn is a little nut that held its ground. <coughs> Did you get that? It's a nut that held its ground. You're a nut, but you've got to hold your ground. You've got to see your vision, amen. You've got to understand who God created you to be. And no matter what trial, tribulation, and test you've got to go through, you've got to keep pressing toward the mark. And one day you'll be a great oak tree. The seed's within you. Everything you need's within you now. But your will. Why doesn't God just make it happen? 
Why doesn't God just do it? Yeah, I mean, he put it in me. Why doesn't he just wave his hand and turn me into what he wants me to be? That would sound nice, wouldn't it? Well, what's wrong with that picture? Something called free will. Not free willy. Free will. If God were to take Mark and just zap him into what his potential is, first of all, if he went from A to Z that quickly, his character would not be developed enough to handle Z. He is calling maybe Z, but his character hasn't been developed. So the process of preparation had to be necessary for him to fulfill his destiny, right? Number two, God would be violating his will. What if he don't want to be Z? What if you don't want to be what God created you to be? You know, Paul had to deal with it. He said, if I'm not the I, there are people in the church, if I'm not the I, then I'm not going to be part of anything. If I don't get to preach on Sunday morning, I ain't going to that church. If they don't, if they don't, uh, if they don't elect me as a deacon, I, I'm, I'm quitting. Hello? Isn't that right? So what we've got to see, guys, is that God cannot just bring you magically into your potential and your destiny because he would violate your free will. He's got to have your cooperation. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What does that mean, Pastor Mike? That simply means as the Spirit of God says, run around this church and shout hallelujah five times. Who has the bottom line on that? You do. The Holy Spirit said to do it, but you have the choice whether or not you're going to be obedient to it. Amen? So you can sit there and go, I ain't doing that. I'm embarrassing myself. Okay. God says, I called you to do this. Now, I'm not going to Bangladesh. I don't like Bangladesh. I want to go to China. Well, go to China, but you'll be offering strange fire because you're call is to Bangladesh. You hear what I'm saying? So, first of all, your character wouldn't be developed through the process of preparation in order for you to stand. Listen, your anointing will get you there. Your character will keep you there. How many preachers have you seen fall once they got to an international ministry? Something in their character didn't develop to where they had a vulnerability. And how many know the devil knows your weak spots? And I promise you, he is watching for an opportunity to hit you in your weak spots. I tell people all the time, you get up on the front line, you get up here as a ministry, you get on the worship team, you, you do anything on the front line, whatever it is, your weaknesses are going to be attacked. If you've got a weak marriage, guess what comes under attack? Your marriage. Isn't that right? If you've got a weak, uh, if, if your children are out of order, guess what's going to come under attack? Your kids. Well, all I'm doing is singing on the worship team. You are on the front line now. So anytime you get in a position of leadership, the enemy's going to attack your flaws and your weaknesses. So you better go ahead and learn how to cover them now. Amen? I tell people all the time, listen, first God, he's first, right? Then comes wife. Amen? Your family is second order house. Third order house is ministry. If you put your ministry above your family, I believe you're out of order. Because the Bible says about an elder that if he can't rule his own house, how can he rule the church of God, right? First order house is you. That better be in order. Second order house is your family, your marriage, your family. If that's got to be in order. Then third order house, hallelujah, that's the ministry, praise God. Praise God. So we've got to understand your weaknesses are going to be exposed. So the character preparation that God has you in right now is to prepare you to be able to stand and stay there and produce long fruit because you've been tested and tried and your character strong. Now watch. Why is it that so many people have a difficult time knowing what their calling and their purpose and design is? Well, you know the devil is blinding you. 
You know the enemy tries to keep you from fulfilling those things that will glorify God the Father. Isn't that correct? He wanted to keep you from salvation, but he couldn't do that. So now he wants to keep you from producing fruit because Jesus said, Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, watch this now. Sometimes the obvious is so familiar it becomes invisible. Now what does that mean? Now, I can look at Helen, and I can tell that Helen has some, some qualities and some gifts and some, some abilities that maybe she doesn't see. Because she thinks, you know what, I do this all the time. It's no big deal to me. Well, she may, it may be easy for her, but it might be difficult for everybody else, right? So sometimes your gifts are so obvious to you, they're so familiar to you that you can't see them. Did you get that? Look at Gideon. Remember Gideon? Right? The angel came to Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor. He was probably looking behind him going, who's he talking to? Me? And the angel was saying, you, Gideon, are a mighty man of valor. His word means, his name means warrior. Get a clue. He said, me? My, my, listen, my, my father's tribe is the smallest in Israel. And we're the smallest family of that tribe. Little old me, he couldn't see it. He couldn't see that God had already put within him the ability to be a deliverer for Israel. He was hiding from the enemy. Sometimes, sometimes, listen, the obvious gift that you have is so familiar to you that it becomes invisible and you can't see it. Jesus said this, by this my, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What can you produce? I said, what can you produce? Let's real quick, let's talk about it one real quick at the end here. To identify your fruit. Let me give you an understanding. First of all, let, ask yourself these questions right here. Number one, what is the witness of the Spirit in your spirit? In other words, what is the Holy Spirit telling you you are? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? You, notice, you know how you know that? Here's one of the clues that I found out. What do you pray about all the time? What comes up out of your spirit during prayer? That's an, that, that's an indication of what's in your heart. For out of the abundance of the mouth, the, the heart speaks, right? So listen to what your prayers are. Because that's the Holy Spirit generating that concern in you, right? So what has the Holy Spirit told you about your ministry? What has the Holy Spirit spoken to you through the prophetic word? Number two. Write down what your natural, I'm not talking about or spiritual, but your natural strengths, talents, and abilities are. Some people can write. Some people can speak. Some people can manage. Some people can organize. What are your natural abilities? Now, be, be honest about that. Some of you can work on a car. I, I, you don't want me working on your car. Some of you are craftsmen. Some of you could build things. Uh, you don't want me trying to build something for you. Right? So look at your natural, natural, okay, we're talking about design. Design produces function. So birds get wings so they can fly. Clue, you hear me? So what are your natural abilities? Write them down. Number two, number three, I'm sorry. Number three, yeah, number three. What seems easy for you that is difficult for others? How do, when people come and say, did you do that? Man, how can you do that? That's amazing that you did that. You know, I was working on my wife's computer the other day. And it was a real simple thing. No big deal. I'm not like a computer techo or anything. But I know a little bit. I know enough, right? And she was just amazed by it. My wonderful husband. I said, well, baby, 
I'm just not your normal guy, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was telling David it was no big deal, you know. It was just a little wire here, a little wire there, no big deal. But Karen was like blown away by it. How did you know that? How did, how did you know that? Well, for her to figure that out probably would have been a difficult thing, right? But it was easy for me. What is easy for you that you really don't have to try? See, that's why sometimes you don't see the gift in it. You don't see the gift in it because it's so easy for you. You think, surely that's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. When it is, number four, what stirs your passion? What stirs your anger? What concerns you? All right? When you think about different things and it, and it causes you to uh, get angry, many times that anger is a sign of your assignment. Some people get very angry about abortion or same-sex marriage, that is a clue that God has called them to a certain area, maybe social uh, ministry of some sort. Yes, those things are wrong, I, and I don't like them, but I'm not called to change that. Some of you may be called to change a certain thing that you're angry about. It could be a clue to your makeup and how you function and how your worldview is. You see what I'm saying there? All right. What's, what's your concern? Look at your library. When you buy a book, when you go into the bookstore, Christian bookstore, and look at books, or any bookstore for that matter, what section do, are you drawn to? You know where I go? I love to go to the self-help area. I love to go to the Bible area. But the self-help area, why? Because there are things that, 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 that people have learned that can help you be better you. And one of the gifts of an apostle is to identify gifting in ministry and train and raise up. So any tools that I have that can help me help you become everything God's called you to be, I'm interested in that, okay? So watch what you're drawn to. Uh, next one. If you could do anything, this is real big. If you could do anything with a guarantee, listen, with a guarantee of success, what would you do? Right now, if you could say, okay, I'm going to do this, and it didn't matter what it was, anything you can think of, Get this now. This will help you. I'm trying to help you find your purpose. Pay attention. Don't miss this. Look at me, everybody. If you could do something right now that you guaranteed successful, it would not fail. It would work. What would you do? What would you do? Well, I'd have a horse farm. Okay, great. That's an indication. Now, let me give you a test for that, okay? Here's the test. Think about what you would do if you had guaranteed success, well, I'd be a pastor of a church, or I'd be an evangelist, or I'd, I'd be a businessman, or I'd have my this or that. Think about that. Got that in your mind? Now, this is the test, the next question. If you inherited $5 million, what would you spend it on? If you would spend it on the last question I just asked you, I would have my own business, and I got $5 million, would you still want your own business? That strips away whether or not what you're doing or think you want to do is for money. Because if it's for money, it's not your purpose. Your purpose, you would do it for nothing. You would enjoy doing it. You get up early, go to bed late doing it. Amen? It's your motivation. You do what you love and you love what you do. That's how God's designed you. Amen? It's effortless for you. It's not a strain at all. So if you think, well, I'd like to have my own business, and then you all of a sudden you've inherited $5 million, would you still want your own business? Oh, no, I wouldn't want to work that hard. Then that's not your purpose. Are you getting this? If you had $5 million, what would you spend it on? If I had $5 million right now, if somebody walked in here and gave this church $5 million, you know what I'd use it for? We'd build our church, wherever it is. And a school of ministry. 
And we began producing ministers and sending them all over the world to plant mission bases and churches. I know that's what I do. I haven't got a doubt that's what I do. I wouldn't take that five million and retire. How do you retire from a call anyway? Never understood that in the first place. Retire? What's that about? I'm going to preach to the last breath, baby. But that's what the real test is. If you had $5 million, what would you spend it on, all right? Listen, uh, what is your dream? What is your vision? What do you think about? To what could you give yourself 100% to for the rest of your life? You know, there are many of you that are in jobs right now, and you go, I hate going to work. I can't stand this job. There's this one guy. He's a famous author now. He's probably a multi I know he's a multimillionaire. This guy was on his way to work one day, and he had a job that he absolutely hated. Matter of fact, he said he would cry on the way to that job. You know you got to hate your job if you cry. That's bad. I don't want to go to work. God, that's bad, right? He was crying on his way to work one day. He looked up and saw a sign, which was a road sign, to another city. And the sign was Quit Quitman. Quitman, it's in Texas. It's a little town in Texas, Quitman. And he looked at that and it spoke to him. Quit, man. Quit, man. Quit. And he felt that was the Lord speaking to him saying, quit this stinking job. You don't like it. You hate it. You're crying. I didn't give it to you. He quit his job, began to do what God called him to do, which was writing. He is now a multi-multi-millionaire. Writes, does books all over the world. Seriously. Quit, man. Quit, man. So what could you give yourself to? If you are miserable in your job, all that is is a job. You need to learn to do what you love. Real quick, two more. What have others told you about yourself? Man, you're a great organizer. You're a great manager. You're a great boss. You really have a passion for souls. I, I feel like God has a prophetic ministry for you. You're a wonderful mother. You see, what have people complimented you on? What areas of your life do people constantly uh, uh, reaffirm in you? That's a clue. People see things in you you may not see in yourself. And the last one. When you die, what would you like to be remembered for? What could I put on your headstone? Here lies so-and-so. Thank God she's dead. Oh. Here lies so-and-so. What would you want me to put on your headstone? You know, here she lies. She, one person put on... Uh, Herman, I told you I was sick. <laughs> Amen. I hope that you got a little bit out of this today. And I just pray that you would make this a matter of prayer. If you don't know what your calling is, if you don't know what your design is, listen to me. Here's a real quick solution to that. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Okay, so you see it, but you don't see a lot of fruit in it. It's because it's in seed form. The seed is still within you. So you've got to listen. Here's the formula. Start where you are. Work with what you've got. Do the best you can. There it is. Formula to success. Start where you are. Well, I don't have this. I, I can barely talk for five minutes, but I feel like God's called me to preach the gospel. Good. Start where you are. That's five minutes. Well, I don't know much about the word. Well, preach what you do know. Right? Start where you are. Work with what you got. Do the best you can. If you can only preach for five minutes, make that the best five minutes that you can possibly produce. Amen? Do you hear me?
But if you don't develop the seed, it never grows into a plant. If it never grows into a plant, it never produces fruit. And you never reach your purpose and design. And let me just give you this. You will answer to God for that. Why would God waste life on you if you're not going to fulfill his purpose? Did you know? I believe that our life is summed up in our purpose. I believe once you have fulfilled your purpose, God wants to take you on home. Seriously. I've been a hospice pastor. And I've seen a lot of people that still wanted to know why they were around. They wanted to die. And I told them, I said, because your purpose isn't finished yet. And they said, well, I can't work. I can't move. What will be my purpose? Your purpose may be when somebody comes and visits you, you speak something into their life that puts them on the right course and fulfills their destiny. Because they have so much respect for you. So when your purpose is finished, I believe we're finished. But check it out. If you refuse to fulfill your purpose, God may go ahead and take you on home. This boy ain't going to do. Or God will raise up someone else to do what he called you to do. Do you hear me now? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to exhort you to understand what kind of fruit you can bear. And bear it for the glory of God. Amen? Stand to your feet with me. Amen. Father, we just ask that right now your precious Holy Spirit would just minister to your precious people. Lord, I pray that, Father, they would take this outline, go home, study it, Lord. And I just pray that you would take the blinders off of their eyes. That they would see clearly, Heavenly Father, who they are and who they've been created to be. I command in Jesus' name everything that's blocking their vision, everything that's hindering their destiny, everything that's hiding their purpose from them would be lifted in the name of Jesus. And, Father, that you would give them revelation knowledge as to who they are and what they're to do for your glory. And, Lord, I pray if they've got their mind on something that they're not, I pray change that. I pray renew their mind and put them right back on track. And we give you the praise, the glory, and all the honor. And everybody that loved God said, Amen. Amen.